those mountains. I was talking to a man recently who lives in Washington, D.C., and I asked him, well, how's that going? And he said, you know, in the D.C. area, he said there's a huge lack of faith. And in fact, he said there's even a hostility to the faith. He said, yet, in all the places I've lived, Chicago, L.A., all these places, he says, I've seen, I've found the strongest Christians in the D.C. area. That it's almost as if the hostility and the, the pressure and the secularism has helped create the scene to bring forth the most dynamic, motivated, Christ-centered people anywhere. That these people recognize that their liberation, their salvation, is not from the powers of the world, but clearly from Christ. In our gospel today, Luke sets this scene of all these people, Tiberius and Pontius Pilate and Herod and Philip, and he's naming all these worldly people and powers, first to kind of give us a historical context, to say we're talking about Jesus who lived at this exact time, and yet contrary to all those worldly powers with armies, that Jesus comes humbly, and he sends forth a messenger in the desert. That our salvation also is not going to come from worldly powers or having the right government in power, from getting the right laws on the books. That our salvation comes from Jesus Christ. And we're told how, that this is how God works. Our psalm today, Psalm 126, speaks of how the Israelites had been exiled to Babylon. I mean, we can't even fathom it. If, if it's like a, an army coming in here and literally kidnapping us, uprooting us, and exiling us to another country, and then kind of forbidding worship of God, forcing us to intermarry so that we will lose our traditions, our culture, our identity... And after 70 years of that, what happened in the history of the Jewish people is that God then allowed the people to go back, back to Jerusalem, to rebuild, to remember who they are. And so, and we hear this story, that's, that's what we hear in our psalm today. When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like men dreaming. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with rejoicing. Those who sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. That in that situation that felt impossible, God did the unthinkable in a beautiful way. It didn't even feel possible. It seemed like an impossible mountain, and then God moved it. Because that's what he does. He moves the impossible mountain. What are those mountains today? I was talking with someone this week and they shared with me the statistic. They said 25 years ago, on college campuses, 15% of students would have said, they said, that they were struggling with anxiety, depression, etc. He said, today, the statistic is not at 
but 63%. This is music to the choir for the students, right? That two out of three students are battling like just like this anxiety, feeling overwhelmed, feeling lonely, feeling depressed. What is that? Some of that looks like like homesickness, you know? That's one manifestation of it. Interestingly, and maybe related, this guy was also saying, he said, this generation is also the most empathetic that they can understand, that we can understand other people's pain and almost like feel it. But I think that's partially how that's related is if I'm, if I'm feeling somebody's pain, but that, that's actually their pain, but now I'm feeling it, but I can't change it. I can't stop. And so now I feel overwhelmed and helpless because I'm experiencing things that I can do nothing about. Does that make sense? Our uh, Newmanite speaker this week, he also he mentioned anxiety in a, in, a, in a way that I thought was very interesting. He said, what is anxiety? Anxiety is I'm worried um, about the future. I'm worried about things that don't exist. So, okay, I'm not dating someone right now. So, okay, so, but maybe that means maybe I'm never going to find somebody to marry. And then maybe I'm never going to get married. And then I'm going to be unhappy. And then I'm going to be lonely the rest of my life. And it doesn't exist. I'm taking on feelings and things that that aren't here. They're, they're, They're in a hypothetical, impossible, like, future. Or like, you know, I'm gonna, I, might, I might fail this test, and if I fail the test, and I fail the class, but then I, I don't know, you know, and then I'll have to take the class over, and maybe I'm not going to graduate, and then I won't get a job, and then, ah, you know, like, <laughs> do you feel that? There's people here not smiling because it hits close to home, you know, like. <laughs> that's like, so you're saying, like, the definition of anxiety is like, I mean, one way to look at anxiety is these, these, infinite number of futures of which I can do nothing about. And so I ask God for help. God, heal me of my anxiety. But he doesn't do anything. Well, no. God can't heal it because it doesn't exist. God actually lives and works and moves in reality. What's better is to say, God, I feel overwhelmed and burdened by this class that I'm in right now, and I don't know what to do. And God says, tell me all about it. God, I'm not dating anyone right now, and I just I just feel like worried that maybe I won't, or I just feel kind of alone. And Jesus is like, I know what it's like to feel lonely. Tell me what it's like for you. Do, do you feel the difference there? If, if I, That's why Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. Like, as soon as I start worrying and thinking about tomorrow, I will always feel overwhelmed. But we live for today. That we have a God, I am who am, a God who's in the present. He wants to help me in the reality. You know, God, God, it hurts that my family is broken. And it feels like nothing can be done about that. 
Well, the truth is that a lot of that is out of my hands. I can't make my parents do stuff. I can't change how other people feel. But the one thing I can do is go to God with where I'm at. That was our, our first reading for the Holy Day yesterday, Immaculate Conception. That, that God looks at Adam and Eve and he says, where are you? That immediately when brokenness entered the world, that it now created an opportunity for God to enter into it. To be able to be with us in our brokenness, to come to us with compassion and healing and mercy. And so what we don't want to do, and this is the other temptation, I think, in our modern culture, is because I feel these things that I can't do anything about, I just want to, like, escape them. I just want to forget about school for a minute. I just want to forget about how out of control I feel in my life. And so we, we do things to escape, right? Some people, we turn to alcohol, some, you know, relationships... Some, some people spending hours a day on social media, um, smoking, vaping. I mean, all these things, they're, they're fruitless activities that do nothing to help the real issues going on. And I think that adds to the helplessness. Like, I do all these things and nothing's better. And it's like, I think we're, maybe we're doing not the right thing. Maybe there's nothing to do but instead to be real and go to God. That's the invitation today, is to surrender it, to express it to God, for him to move that mountain. I can say, God, I feel overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. But interestingly, the one mountain, what's the one mountain that God can't move? The one I don't give him. Like the prodigal son, right? That he took off and he did that and then the older brother's there and the older brother, you just see him with his arms crossed. And the father could do nothing for him because the older brother wanted nothing to do with his father. That because he refused to open up, the father couldn't do anything to help him. And so the answer is to not try to move the mountain myself, that's impossible, but instead to bring it to the mover of mountains, to bring it to him, to tell him all about it, to tell him about the reality. That's, that's, that's what this time of Advent's all about. Advent and Christmas is about a God who loves us so much that he descends into my reality to be with me, to help move the mountains, to help create the path. That's what he wants to do. The prophet Baruch says this, For God has commanded that every lofty mountain be made low, and that the age-old depths and gorges be filled to level ground, that Israel may advance secure in the glory of God. And so the mountains call and invite the Lord to come. But maybe he doesn't move them right away. How come, how come God doesn't move the mountains like that, right when I ask? Perhaps because he's still molding us by the mountains. Perhaps he wants to move us in some way. That he's still working on us. But eventually, those same mountains will be moved in a way that they will not be the source of our distress, but kind of the source 
of our salvation. That, that their mount, the, co- the mountain becomes the cause by which God comes and works and moves in my life. I spoke recently to a student who has gone through a lot in their life. And they were sharing, as they spoke with me, I could just sense this like healing and this peace. And I just asked questions and whatnot. And by the end, I could really see, and I kind of reflected back to them. I said, I can see how you've experienced healing and peace. Because when they had faced this obstacle, rather than trying to do it alone, their parents knew about it. And they had gone to a counselor. And now they were coming to talk to me. And most importantly, They had been talking to God the entire time. Because to move a mountain is fruitless. I'm going to despair. But if I use that, I'm stuck, and I turn to the mover, the unmoved mover, that he's the one who wants to work through that. This mountain that this was put in this person's life was actually becoming the source that was molding them, inviting them to acknowledge their helplessness to change the past, but instead to turn to God with the present. And that even when we feel like God is quiet, sometimes we say, I don't hear God talking. Why isn't God talking? I believe it's because he's probably not talking because instead he's listening. And that there's more we need to say. And so today, we come to the God who allows mountains so that he can move us, so that we can be invited to surrender our helplessness to him. That our salvation does not come from a worldly or earthly power. Our salvation does not come from me trying harder. It does not come from me having the perfect technique. My salvation comes when I surrender to the God of all power and creation, the God who alone can bring me salvation, that he wants to come. He's working to come and invites me to open the door, to let him in, to move those mountains.